0: I left the city I've been browns, treading water that they drowned. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings Hello and welcome to episode 163 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at dynastydadff, and we got a great show lined up for you tonight. You know, he's no stranger to the podcast, my man, Dynasty Zoltan. How you doing tonight? Good, man. What's up? Happy to be back. Yeah, super excited to to kind of talk about running backs here right now because we're we're getting closer and closer to the season. You know, I wanted to congratulate you. You know, your first Scott Fishbowl running back is obviously a key position in there. Uh, tell me how excited you are for that particular experience because it's like. That first time you get that email, run me through what's going through in your head because it's just so fun and exciting.
1: Yeah, man, it's awesome. I mean, first of all, just to be a part of like the biggest charitable event in fantasy football feels great. And then obviously you're doing it with a bunch of awesome people. It's a really cool format. Um, I've been in some leagues that have attempted to kind of replicate real life uh, impact. And I kind of feel like the Scott Fish Bowl goes at that a little bit with all the fancy quarterback scoring. So should be a lot of fun. I'm excited. And I actually have a live draft here in Chicago. So that's going to be a good time to meet some other members of the community and whatnot.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm doing the live draft in Philly, you know, and I think it just adds every year. It's like, yeah, I, The first one I was in was Scott Fishbowl 9 and like every year it's grown and grown and grown to a point where it's like you get that email the first time. And then after you've done it for like one or two years, it's like seeing new people get that shot. You know, yeah. pretty much everybody in the Smash except crew has gotten an opportunity uh, through the Patreon. We've had like six or seven other guys who just through shout outs in there have gotten opportunities. And it's just like it's great to see everyone really getting their shot to, to play with. You know, fans and analysts alike, and and you know, doing it for a great cause.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm excited for it to get going. I got a lot of research to do, but I'll uh, I'll get that going soon.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the thing with me with that particular tournament is like the first year I spent hours and hours and hours, right? Because you're so excited, and then it became like semi stressful for it. And then for me, yeah. it's just been a matter of like, you know what? Like, I want to, I really want to see what this looks like. Like, I want to make sure. I'm enjoying the process. You know, we talk about that a lot as far as how things go. So, what I want to talk to you about, and you and I, we've been talking a lot more, especially when you and I talk, is not just players. You know, we're not just saying player X, player Y. When it comes to the running back position, talk to me a little bit about your methodology. You know, I've been really encouraging people that are asking me questions about this player, that player in the Patreon and on Twitter to think a little bit deeper. Like, let's start talking about this running back position what is your methodology? How do you attack the running back position when it comes to startups and when it comes to dynasty trades?
1: Yeah. So my overarching strategy, and I actually was on a podcast yesterday, the uh, dynasty factory tour um, with uh, Paul Patterson, uh, where we went over the running backs. And what I kind of came to during that discussion was you need to get one of the top four running backs or one of the top five running backs, because there are really only four guys right now who have elite production and elite like value for the long term there are question Absolutely. marks for everyone else at the position and then after you get like the guys at the back end of the top 12 are not people who you usually consider top 12 running backs it really drops off a cliff and then once you get out of the top 18 or so I'm really focusing on production because the running back position, especially now, is so much of a year-to-year thing. And I know we're going to go through and touch on some specific backs, but you look outside of the top 18. you got guys like Damian Pierce and Cam Akers and Derrick Henry and Miles Sanders. None of these guys have any guarantee that they're going to have any role or any value next year, so... I'm tending to go more towards production than I typically would at other positions because I don't see a whole lot of value upside for these guys because everything is just so uncertain.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. Like RB five to RB 12 is almost the exact same. And in years past that hasn't been there because we've been, Gifted and an amazing class from 2017 who are all starting to fade out and becoming extreme values in that production area, you know, guys like Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones and really starting to drop into that rounds like eight, nine range. And I'm with you. I mean, one thing I've always preached about the running back position is if it isn't an elite running back, I'm insulating yeah. trade you know, Travis ETN for Joe Mixon in a 24 first, if it's in that mid range, because you know what, I'm going to get similar production and I'm going to be able to buy a guy in that same range, you know, as a, as a Travis ETN and, and kind of go into that area where I got two shots for one, because the other thing with running backs is such a volatile position. As far as injuries go, you know, you take a guy like ETN and I'm not trying to pick on him. He gets injured now all of a sudden you got to try to flip him or some other asset you have, whereas if you insulate and you get another running back plus that first, that gives you two shots. Now all of a sudden he goes down, you buy – another running back or something similar to that with a pick. So, yeah. And
1: and I think it's go, it's worth going over these 2020 and 2021 drafts in particular to talk about Mm -hmm. why the running back position is where it is, because these are the running backs who are entering their third and fourth year of their contracts. So we had last year, we had the Jacobs and Miles Sanders class, David Montgomery entering Mm -hmm. free agency Um, Sanders and Montgomery are now basically year to year guys, Jacobs, year to year for now we'll see what happens but if you go back to 2020 and 2021 we just have had such disappointments from these classes so 2020 we know what happened with Clyde Edwards alaire. DeAndre Swift already on his second team traded for peanuts Jonathan Taylor all right he's one of the guys Cam Akers major injury J.K. Dobbins major injury AJ Dillon's not that guy Antonio Gibson, I'm sure we'll talk about, but he's not that guy. And if you look at 2021, we had the major injuries to Travis Etienne and Javante Williams, and then it's basically just Najee Harris and I guess Ramondre from that draft class. So we've had five major injuries. We've had a few busts. Really, Jonathan Taylor, and you could argue Najee and maybe Ramondre are the only guys who have lived up to expectations coming from those draft classes where you expect those guys to be hitting their prime into the top 12 right now.
0: I love that because that kind of segues in Ramondre Stevenson. I put a a tweet out there. He was a guy that you and I were both buying everywhere last year. You know, this time in February last year, I got him in the 11th round to the 12th round. Now he's going in that round five area. So when you're doing your drafts, when you're making your trades, we're trying to establish that next breakout. Right. And sometimes it's a breakout for a guy that's, you know, entering year two. And then you got situations like like the guys you were just mentioning. I mean, DeAndre Swift in a new situation. J.K. Dobbins now, you know, seemingly healthy. Javante Williams, someone that I think is is a definite buyout there that has crazy upside. Cam Akers, I mean, who's that guy out of that group that you're like, you know what, I'm going to give him another shot. This is someone that I think, you know, because if you're buying these guys, we talk about right now Ramondre Stevenson, you know, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, those are your fifth-round guys. But those guys you were mentioning, I mean, Cam Akers has fallen to the eighth round. J.K. Dobbins, late sixth round. You know, these guys are starting to slip a little bit in their ADP, which is when you can start to, you know, extrapolate value and make some of these trades.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first off, I'll say, so Ramondre was RB36 on June 28th, 2022, and he is now RB10. That type of leap for a non-rookie running back is incredibly rare. So I'm yep. not counting on that for anyone. If I look outside the top 30 of my rankings, we're looking at like David Montgomery and Jalen Warren and Roshan Johnson. Like those guys are not going to be jumping up into that top 10, top 12 level. I think the easiest answer for me, if we're talking outside of the top 24, it's Kendra Miller. And he's not a guy I'm even that interested in. Like I didn't love his tape. I don't love the situation, but it's really easy for me to see a path for him to get into maybe not the top 12, but maybe the top 15 where JK Dobbins is sitting because you look at his situation, Kamara, maybe he misses time. Maybe he doesn't, but I'm going to assume he misses some time. Jamal Williams is really not an efficient runner. He's just, he got a lot of shine last year because of those 17 touchdowns, but you can't count on that to compete I could see Kendra Miller shining from an efficiency perspective and entering next offseason as the presumptive RB1 in that offense and potentially getting a huge value boost, at least before the draft. I'm not saying it last till after the draft, but he's a guy I'm targeting in, you know, rounds 11 where he could be potentially getting a big boost.
0: I absolutely love that because in that in that tweet that I was referring to, I literally put the guys that I think that can absolutely mold into those guys that skyrocket. You know, like you and I last year when we were doing year one punts, I mean it was, you know, Amon Ra and Devonta and and you know Ramondre Stevenson, guys like mm-hmm. that. And this one, you know, I was looking at guys and you see those round five wide receivers, you know, with your Christian Watson, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Judy, Burks, all those guys. The only running back I have on my entire list is Kendra Miller at the nine ten, because the rest of them, I mean, I'm looking at this and correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, we talk about those top five. Can any of them get into the round three discussion in the next year startup wise? I I don't see You know, right now the only guys going in that round three other than the top five you're talking about, I mean, there's Saquon, there's Christian McCaffrey, but I mean, the rest of them, you look at round four, I mean, you know, it's Najee Harris, Austin Eckler, Travis Etienne. I mean, we're looking at an area where it's like, someone's going to have to hit hard to get back up into that area with how young, like I, you know, the landscape right now of wide receivers is young and elite, you know, yeah. the, the the landscape of quarterbacks is starting to grow. I mean, when you have guys like Kyler Murray going QB 13 and, and you know, two is in that 14, 15 range, it's going to be a hard shot for one of these running backs to really get into that third round.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that I'm working on, which I'm really excited about, is my 2024 look-ahead dynasty rankings. And this is an exercise that I've been doing for six years now. It's one of my favorite exercises because I will make more changes to my 2023 rankings because of these 2024 rankings. It really Mm -hmm. reveals a lot to me. And there are three guys, if we're looking not at the, you know, RB 15 and later range, but just outside of the top five, who I think could enter the top three rounds of startups. And that would be Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, and Javante Williams. And I know for a variety of reasons, people are down on those guys, but mm-hmm. we should remember all three of those players are elite prospects. All three of those players have very good draft capital and have been very efficient runners when healthy. So ETN, I actually, I know we're going to go in depth on Etienne later. So maybe maybe I'll leave him for a little bit later. But Kenneth Walker, if he proves to be better than Charbonnet, he could easily be going back in that range. He was going in that range before the draft. Charbonnet could easily be just a guy. And Kenneth Walker could handle 70% of the touches. That would put Walker right back up into that range. Javante Williams, same deal. If he comes back from injury, if he never got hurt last year, he'd be going in that third round right now. Mm -hmm. So those would be the guys I'd target... Has slight risers, but there's a lot of risk there for both of those guys. So I'm not saying that they're necessarily good values at cost, even though, especially Devonte I think is, but hypothetically, I could see those guys increasing to, you know, top 40 dynasty status for uh, overall.
0: Javante Williams, what do you see for him? I mean, I, I know you've been working on projections and, and yeah. you know, I, I keep seeing reports. Everyone wants to compare him to J.K. Dobbins just because, you know, similar type injury, but not every guy heals the same. I mean, everyone, his injury was super early, you know, and it's a spot where it's at least nine months he's he's past that area. But what do you have him projected for for this season?
1: Yeah, so Javante Williams, I mean, anyone who's been following me knows he's he's probably my favorite player I've ever scouted mm-hmm. just in terms of, I mean, I, I had guys like Bijan ranked higher than him, but uh just in terms of how much I liked him versus consensus. Um, I'm very high on him this year because all of the reports have been glowing. He got hurt in week four. Um, he had received 21 targets in those first three weeks. Obviously, most of those were front-loaded to the week one, but he had four targets in week two and five targets in week three. Mm-hmm. Um, this offense is gonna take some big steps forward. He no longer has Melvin Gordon to worry about. I'm really high on Javante Williams for this year. I think he is a top 15 running back. And in redraft, you can get him down at like RB29 just because of the injury. Listen, I don't care about the first month of the season. The way that I play dynasty, I don't want to be the fifth or sixth seed anyways. So if not having Javante Williams costs me one game early in October or September, that doesn't really matter. But I'm pretty confident by the end of the season, Javante is going to be a top 12 weekly option. So I'm buying him pretty heavily in dynasty because he's only 23 years old. A year coming off this injury, like the downside, you look at where a guy like Nick Chubb is in the sixth round, or sorry, DeAndre Swift in the sixth round or JK Dobbins in the sixth round. That's Javante Williams floor after this Mm -hmm. year. And I already said his ceiling is the third round. So I'm, I'm heavily invested in Javante and I really hope he pays off this year.
0: Yeah, and he's the screaming value right now in the mid-fifth round is like RB15. And I'm with you there. I mean, we talk about that on Smash Accept all the time. You want to be top three, bottom three. And I see people saying, hey, you know, like I had someone literally approach me the other day, offered, they're like, I got Charbonnet in a second for Javante Williams. What do you think of that? And I'm like, the upside isn't there. The floor yeah. is not the same. Like, this is not the kind of move you make. When I talk insulated trades, I mean, I'm trying to buy. Javante Williams plus, you know, like I'm trying to sell off someone that thinks they're getting a ton of extra production out of, you know, say a Josh Jacobs or even Saquon Barkley, and move and get Javante plus plus, you know, and really try to advocate moving in that direction. So, you know, I I just wanted to talk the methodology. I love you know picking your brain on that kind of stuff. Let's talk about buys. I mean, who is that guy right now? We talked about Javante Williams, and I'm assuming he's one of them. But who's another guy out there right now from the dynasty running back position that you're? all in on somebody that you're buying no matter what.
1: So uh, I kind of got three groups here and I'll touch on, touching them all very quickly. So my number one buy, sorry, my number one buys are Brees Hall and Jameer Gibbs. And I already mentioned, I want some of these top four running backs. Bijan Robinson is just too expensive. I like Jonathan Taylor at cost, but he is three years older than Jameer Gibbs and Brees Hall. So I'm buying Brees Hall quite simply because I think he might be the best running back in the NFL. I mean, he was first in basically every efficiency metric last year, explosive run rate yards after contact per attempt yards per route run. Other than Derrick Henry, who ran like 12 routes. He was just incredible last season. And you look at Jameer Gibbs, you mentioned I've been doing my projections. I have Jameer Gibbs projected for the RB six this year as a rookie. And that might sound extreme, that's pretty much what you get when you're a top 15 pick as a running back. You are an RB1 year one. You have ridiculous upside. We've seen this time and time again where the where a first round running back as a rookie comes in the top six in the position. So I'm buying both of those guys. I've gotten Jameer Gibbs in three out of the five startups I've done since the draft, all in the third round, and I am thrilled to get him there. If you're able to start... Your draft with two quarterbacks and Jameer Gibbs, and then just load up on wide receivers. To me, that's the way to go about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, in my in Smash 9, I actually started out with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and then I got and then I somehow worked in there and got Brees Hall and Gibbs. So it's like, oh, yeah. Cause in the rookie draft, he fell down, the 104 fell a little bit. So I'm with you because my number one running back by. And, and when we talk about buys, I mean, you, there's, there's elite buys, right? You're buying high on a prospect. There's that mid level where you're in between and then there's the buy low. And I think Brees hall, you're both buying high and buying low, right? Because I yeah. think right now you you're, you're going in there and you're buying what I believe is going to be in the same tier as B. John Robinson. By the time the season's over, like if he doesn't have that injury, we're putting them as in their own tier by themselves, you know, and they're up there 97.2 yards from scrimmage per game with five touchdowns in just seven games. But when, and that's 15.4 fantasy points per game. But when you look at it weeks four through seven, when they just decided, you know what, Michael Carter's not that guy, 21.2 fantasy points per week. And I know that's a small sample size, but if you look at how elite and how explosive he was during that time, 5.8 yards per carry, you know, fourth in yards after contact, fourth in receiving yards, and then yeah, one thing that I've been looking at a lot, and I absolutely love his content, is, is Alex Caruso put out there. He was saying, you know, running backs who have 80 plus receptions or 80 plus targets, right? They are a RB1 90% of the time. Like it's almost every single time. And then you look at where he was at. He almost at during that four to seven week span, he was at five, you know, five targets per game. You look at the touch rate again another thing 99 out of 100 running backs that had 270 plus touches are RB1s he's a lock you know yeah. and i got i got roasted the other day cuz someone put out there hey is breeze hall a top 5 running back in in 2023 and i said he has RB1 ceiling if he's healthy week oh, one yeah. And, and everybody was like, oh, man, you're just you're, you're just jumping too far into conclusions on that. The guy is absolutely special. And but I'm going to start, you know, going into a little bit of, of the health with this. But what would you be willing to pay to get Brees Hall? Because that's the question, right? Like, who are you moving? What kind of direction? Because. Trying to buy elite level running backs takes some skill. You know, it takes some yeah. some thought process. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to trade Justin Jefferson and move off onto a running back. That's not the process that you and I believe in. So, how are we accumulating the assets? How are we making moves for those big names like Jameer Gibbs, like Brees Hall?
1: Yeah, so it, it it's tough to do. I mean, one of the things that I'm focusing on is that. As I mentioned, those are two of the only four running backs who have any value security long-term. So guys like Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson and Josh Jacobs, who are players I really do like, I'm using those guys to get Brees Hall or Jameer Gibbs because I mm-hmm. do believe that they're going to give you – it's a value insulation trade in a different way, right? Because I think they're going to give you the same amount of – it's honestly a two-way value insulation. You're going to get the same way – same production in this upcoming year and you have the additional longevity. So let's say you give up uh Tony Pollard and a first to get Brees Hall. The other side gets production year one and then gets your first, but I would rather just have production year one from Brees Hall and then have Brees Hall's mm-hmm. next five years of his career. So those are some moves I could be looking to make. The other thing that I personally love doing, cause I don't love giving up future first unless it's the like really good trade is I like giving up the tier of 27, 26-year-old wide receivers who are averaging 13, 14 points a game and not going to make a big difference for your team. So a guy like Michael Pittman, uh, Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, even like a Brandon Ayuk that I know people – like for some reason the last month of Brandon Ayuk has been unbelievable. Um, I'm happily giving one of those guys – maybe two of those guys for Brees Hall or one of those guys, plus like a running back like Rashad White or Najee Harris to get up into the Brees Hall tier. Um, I have a question for you. You mentioned that Brees and Bijan would be on the same tier if they were healthy. I tweeted a week or so ago that I do have Brees and Bijan on the same tier and that the gap between them should not be that far. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you pay? You have Bijan Robinson. The Brees Hall owner comes up to you. What
0: are you asking for on top? See, in actual rookie pick value, I'm thinking it's just a random 24 second. That's not how I would play it. Like I would end up trying to go after and get another running back who I believes in that area, you know, or kind of a two for one kind of deal. And I think you can get it. I mean, I really think the Bijan hype was was so much as it is. I mean, I had a guy yesterday asked me, would you do he said, would you trade Gibbs? And would you trade B. John Robinson for Gibbs and Anthony Richardson? I was like, oh, I don't want quarterback. Not quite. He goes, Nope. It's super, super flex. I'm yeah. like, smash that dude. Go take it. Yeah. Like get that done. I think the B. John Robinson, I, I don't ever want to say he was a sell. You know, you and I did did multiple podcasts talking about him, but I mean, he is priced at his ceiling. I love him. I think he's fantastic. But if you can get, I mean, if you could get Brees Hall in a first for Bijan in a second, that's the way you win. You know, like that's how you get yourself and, into that position.
1: And I think you could do that. You might even just be able to get the first without giving up the second. I made two trades involving Bijan and Brees um, in the last week that I'd, I'd like to hear your input on. So I traded uh, Bijan Robinson and Marquise Brown, and I got Brees Hall and Jackson Smith at
0: Jigba. Oh, I love that. I love that. I mean, Marquise Brown's one of my biggest sells just because, yep. to, because of the way he's played in the past, and Kyler Murray's going to miss time. I, I, I think that's the way to do it. And I'm like, I'm looking here on Bulletproof.com. I love their work because you can start seeing all these different sleeper trades. And someone did something similar to that. Is like they traded B. John Robinson and Chris Lavé for Brees Hall and Jamar Chase. Yeah, like. You know, like there's deals like that everywhere where I I just people, people are not high enough on him. They're, they just really aren't. To your point on some of those other trades. I mean, I saw it's Josh Jacobs in a first Austin Eckler in a first Tony Pollard in a first. I think if those firsts are, you know, mid, you're fine. If they're early, you don't, you're going to lose a little bit, but if they're late, you're, you're killing it, man. Like you are moving into an area like that. And then another trade similar to what we just talked about as far as I like to call them two for two trades where you're you're trying to upgrade twice but disguise it somehow. You know what I mean? Like in your head, you know you're gonna win twice or at least yeah. break even on win and win in another. The guy gave up Josh Allen and, and Terry McLaurin. He got um he got Trevor Lawrence and, and Brees Hall. I think that is an absolute smash. I mean, you go into those situations now, you're you're absolutely killing it. You know, like Brees Hall is too cheap. I see another one here. Brees Hall and Amon Ross St. Brown for Jamar Chase. Like that's a wow. that's a smash. Like you are getting so much value. That's why Brees Hall for me is one of my absolute biggest buys at the running back position as well.
1: No, completely agree. The the second Brees Hall trade I made was I traded uh B. Robinson and Justin Fields, and I got Brees Hall, Deshaun Watson, and Jalen Waddell. So basically made two small downgrades and picked up a free Jalen
0: Waddle. That's what I was going to say. I mean, Deshaun Watson, I don't think people understand. And again, I did him as one of my biggest buy threads. He is going to be a top eight quarterback, maybe a top six quarterback. I mean, this is a guy when he played was QB four, what, three years in a row. You yeah. know, like he's a top five quarterback. Now they're starting to put some weapons around him. The rust was shaken off for the last couple of weeks last year. Like, deshaun watson is the ultimate guy that i'm insulating back off of where i'm like i'm trying to move off of lawrence fields and and maybe not herbert but in that area and and move back and get myself deshaun watson because he's going to get there you know and i i we're i love we just start going down rabbit holes oh, yeah. to that. I, I i started talking to deshaun watson then you know the next thing i want to talk about is kyla murray but yeah you know we, we'll just keep going uh stick with stick to the topic a little bit you know you but now at the running back position, you know, those are the, the elite guys. Those are the guys you're going after there. I think you're right with Gibbs as well. I think Gibbs is still too cheap. You know, like most of the community, you have this fallout sometimes. Like rookie draft season is, is in May. For most of us, you know, it's May, early June. Now we get to almost July and people start to try to find ways to pick apart where they don't think Jameer Gibbs is going to be elite. They start to try to figure out situations to make those trades, start second guessing their rookie picks, you know, after they already made them. And I think Gibbs is is, is a buy as well. You know, you got to go out there and at least see what what the options are, because everyone's still coming back to the weight and they're, it's like come on stop like yeah we've presented all the information the draft capital matters everything that's happened there matters he's an absolute smash and, and
1: you mentioned guys who get that many targets they just really don't miss and Jameer Gibbs is a lock for 80 plus targets as long as he's healthy um you want to move on to the next tier of running
0: backs I absolutely do you know like I'm looking at I, so I'm going to skip over the middle tier because that's yeah. I, I think the middle tier is fun. I love having these guys, the, the Josh Jacobs, the Najee Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Pollard. I think those guys for me are those, you know, I, I'm comfortable with them. You know, I think if I want to use them to tear up, I will. But I, I'm, I'm not really tearing down too much off of this, that group. You know, that's a group that I think I'm going to play with the production. But what I'm really trying to do, and I'm doing it everywhere, is I'm trying to buy that production level. I've I've never done this to a point where I've always been, you know, leery of of trading for some of these guys. But the 2017 running back class was special. The first guy I want to talk about is is Aaron Jones. I mean, we you talk about guys going off an age cliff. You you know, we talk about Fournette, we talk about Dalvin Cook. Aaron Jones didn't have that last year. You know, Aaron Jones had career highs in rushing yards, career highs in receptions with 59, you know, four straight Full PPR RB1 seasons, 5.3 yards per carry was the highest of any starter. And he's costing you less than a 24 first. And I understand that Aaron Rodgers isn't there now. And I understand it's Jordan Love. But again, last year with Aaron Rodgers was not a premium Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, I think there's even a a case to be made that Aaron Jones will get more carries now with Jordan Love. Aaron Aaron Jones could see more dump offs with Jordan Love. You know, and I, I know there's a lot to be said in there. But the reason I'm buying is, is the cost, you know, like I think given the early part of his career, when he wasn't getting 250 to 270 touches, you know, he was in that 200 range because of, you know, because of the size, because of the platoon, I think this is a guy that's got plenty left on, you know, in his career and you can get him dirt, dirt cheap. Like we talk about it all the time with James Conner, right? Two years ago, you were buying James Conner for a second. James Conner still worth a second. Yeah. Now Aaron Jones is in that area where it's like, you can get him for an early second And next year, he's still going to be worth that unless something catastrophic happens.
1: Yeah. And as you mentioned, he had probably the best year of his career last year, second in PFF rush grade, Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb were the other two in the top three. His consistency is remarkable. He's had between 52 and and 61 receptions the last four years in a row, at least three yards after contact per attempt. And like you said, there's been no drop-off because we've seen some drop-off from Joe Mixon, from Davlin Cook, from Derrick Henry. We have not seen that from Aaron Jones. And The situation is changing, but I don't know that it's necessarily that much worse for Aaron Jones. He's still going to get his 70-plus targets this year, Um, And he's never been a big touchdown guy. He's only had six rushing touchdowns the last two years. Mm -hmm. The Two years before that, he had 29 rushing touchdowns combined. So if he gets some of that rushing touchdown work back, which I think he should, because AJ Dillon is just a guy, Mm -hmm. then maybe we see, you know, another top 12 year from Aaron Jones. And at the cost of a mid second, I, I like it or in the ninth round of a startup.
0: Yeah. And, and like, for me, it's about the reception work, like yeah. what he's able to do. I can see he was 59 receptions last year, but you look at it, RB seven and route route run percentage, RB seven and slot snaps, RB two as in, in, wide receiver snaps at 48. Like they're going to move him all over the field. Like everyone's trying to figure out what green Bay wide receiver to draft after Christian Watson. They're like, which guy's going to be, which I think Aaron Jones just picks up the slack and I can see him easily having 65 to 70 receptions, which makes him a lock for an RB one. Yep. No arguments here. Do you have a guy in that range? I know we talk like production range, you know, those guys that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go out there and buy and, you know, not pay a premium, like put yourself in a position. You and I have talked, we've done multiple startup, you know, uh, podcasts talking to you about how to do this, getting those quarterbacks early, getting those wide receivers in rounds three through five, and just smashing these running backs at absolute value late in the draft.
1: Yeah. So there's a few guys that really come to mind. Uh, You mentioned Aaron Jones. I'm, I'm passing on Dalvin Cook right now. I, the drop off was unbelievable last year and we just don't know uh, what his situation is going to be. The two guys, sorry, there's honestly, there's four guys, really all of the vets in this range. I'm okay with maybe we talk about which we prefer. But Joe Mixon, James Conner, Alvin Kamara, and David Montgomery are Mm -hmm. all guys I'm targeting for their production, all guys available in the ninth to 11th round of startup drafts. I'm okay just taking the cheapest one because... Like I said earlier, if you start a startup with two quarterbacks, you get Jameer Gibbs in round three, or you trade up and get Brees Hall in round two, then you can just smash wide receiver and tight ends all the way until round 10. Mm -hmm. And if your RB two, three, and four are Kamara, Connor, and Montgomery, you're going to have more production than the people who were taking, you know, Deandre Swift in round six and Rashad White in round seven. So I'm really happy with any of those guys. I found it's incredibly easy to tear down to those guys Using a guy like Rashad White or Cam Akers mm-hmm. or Zach Charbonnet. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Who's going to have more production this year between those three, you know, 24 year old guys and a guy like James Conner and Joe Mixon? It's going to be James Conner and Joe Mixon. Both of them have 17 plus point per game seasons in the last two years and basically have the same role. Meanwhile, you look at a guy like Rashad White or Damian Pierce, are they locked into any role after 2023? Absolutely not, right? So, I'm going to take the production from year 1 and listen, even if even if James Conner dies, sorry, retires on my <laughs> roster, uh specifically for Conner, retires on my roster, if I traded Rashad White and got Connor in a second, I get more production in 2023. And then I use that second to replace Connor next year. So I'm not worried about it. And then I can just trade that second for whoever falls off next year. So you can just keep on rolling back like this. And production at running back is too easy to get later on in the draft with some of these vets.
0: James Conner's the cheapest. I mean, eleven oh one ADP right now is RB thirty five. And recently, I just made a trade, and I I think it echoes to what we're talking about. Is I traded Charbonnet a third for Joe Mixon in a second. I just mm-hmm. think I'm in an area where Joe Mixon. That's my biggest buy out of that group. Is yeah. you know. And I know there was drop off in production. I know that. I'm not you know trying to to sugarcoat that R at all. But he still finished as RB twelve with he was second in the NFL and carries inside. Inside the ten, but the touchdown production wasn't the same as it has been, you know. And then you look at Samaje Perine gone, who they really haven't bring anybody really in to replace his his role. Like it was maddening to me. Joe Mixon is a very very skilled wide receiver, a running back with receiving skills, and Perine was that third down guy. So now yeah. Joe Mixon's definitely on pace to get, you know, probably get more receptions from RB five. right, he was RB five overall from weeks nine to eighteen. I know that's really bloated because that one game you know and and a lot of people look at it and they say hey you know if you look at where he was at Joe Mixon you know in in a few of the weeks really boomed and then other of the weeks he wasn't in that RB1 territory but I would rather have a guy who goes out there four weeks out of the year that wins me a a week every single time and the rest of them he's in that RB2 range than a guy who just he kind of teeters in that middle like sometimes that explosive running back is where it's at. And I think I mean I, I gotta bring up a couple of trades that I made with Joe Mixon. Yeah that, that you know, now these were early. This was more March, April kind of area. But I gave Austin Eckler and got Joe Mixon in a late 24 first. And another one is I gave Damian Pierce and got Joe Mixon in a 25 second.
1: Yep. Yep. And that, that Pierce trade is exactly what you're looking at, right? Because you can use Mixon's points this year. And then next year you could use that 25 second to go acquire, mm-hmm. you know, Dalvin Cook or Aaron Jones or whoever, whatever you want to do at that point in time. The thing about Mixon, like there are four running backs who have put up 17 plus points per game in the last two years. And it is CMC, Eckler, Derrick Henry, and Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is the youngest of these guys and he is going way later than these guys. I'm not saying yeah. he should be taken above Austin Eckler, but there is value to be had with Joe Mixon. Um, and one of the things you can do with these guys is you can get them as a throw in. So one thing that I did recently was I was in discussions with, a with a league mate where I was trying to get Devonte Adams by moving my 2024 first, which is projected to be pretty late. Um, I was a little unsure. He was a a little unsure. He wanted my second. I was like, all right, take my second two, give me back James Conner and throw me back a third. You don't want James Conner. You're heading into a rebuild. So we got that deal done. And now all of a sudden I have Devontae Adams and James Conner. I just got 36 points a game of production and basically just paid a first round pick
0: that was the league you and I are in together. Cause I was talking to the yeah. same guy trying oh, to get yeah. literally, literally I was doing the same offer with different players. Like we were both in that same wavelength going after the same guy who's like, Hey, I'm offering this up. You know, Devante went on the blocks and you and I like some, some hungry Pounced. dogs just like yep. jumped on it. You know, I, I think uh to your point, like we're, we're in this area where that I mean, Derek Henry is going at 603, but Joe Mixon is going in the ninth you know, at nine Oh three, Aaron Jones is in the ninth round. It like makes, make it, that it makes make no sense, sense to me. Derrick Henry, he's two and a half years older than Joe Mixon. I don't get Correct. it. Yeah. And he's had more carries. He's been, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's not like he's going into it. Joe Mixon is in a top five offense and he's going nowhere. Derrick Henry now finds himself in an offense where it's bottom five. I mean, talent wise, that offense is yes. He's going to get a ton of carries, as long as they're in the game, but how long is Tennessee going to, you know, be in, be in the fight and and be able to use him? You know, everyone's everyone's like, what if he gets traded? Well, that's a big what if for a 29.5 year old running back.
1: Yeah. And by the way, even more so, uh, Joe Mixon has outscored Nick Chubb by almost two points a game. The last two years, he is six months younger Mm -hmm. than Nick Chubb. Why is Nick Chubb going four and a half rounds ahead of him? It just, none of this makes sense to me. Like if you're going to invest in hypothetical value upside, right. With a guy like Kenneth Walker or a guy like Javante Williams or Deandre Swift, I get it. Right. Like maybe I don't agree with the specific player, but there's some logic there. But if you just are going for production and this player is going to lose value year over year, like all of these 27 plus running backs are, then just go cheap. Get Joe Mixon. Don't get Nick mm-hmm. Chubb. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk a little bit about DeAndre Swift because I put a poll out there with DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. Everyone, it, it, they're very polarizing. You know, like some analysts have David, like um, Fantasy Guru has him pretty high. You know, he has a, he's a buy on him. Every yeah. time I see a tweet there. Other people, he's a, he's a stone cold sell. Like it's like move him off there. While I'm pulling up that data, talk to me a little bit about what you're doing with DeAndre Swift because he, I mean, coming out of college was elite. You know, he showed traits of being a a rock-solid RB2, but now he goes to Philadelphia after, you know, a down year with Detroit. What's the situation here for DeAndre Swift?
1: Dude, I don't know.
0: This one, this one's tough. I, right? I loved,
1: I love DeAndre Swift coming out of college since 2019. Uh, he ranks eighth in my running back rankings, according to my data model. Uh, basically everything you would want to see from him, right? In college, he was a lead in terms of his receiving ability. He was a pretty, you know, 90th percentile targets per route run, 80th percentile yards after contact. Like he was a good runner, but it's clear that DeAndre Swift is a guy right now that coaches can't trust. So mm-hmm. I like that he's getting a second chance. He's entering a backfield with no one who is... I mean, Penny is pretty damn talented, but he's not going to last more than a week or two. Gain well, the skills are redundant, and Swift is just better at it. So I completely get the case for why you should be in on DeAndre Swift. That being said, he's entering the last year of his contract. He just got traded for peanuts. There's no... Uh, if DeAndre Swift didn't see the field week one, I would not be surprised. And I know that might sound ridiculous, but Philadelphia owes him absolutely nothing. And when you have Jalen hurts and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, Maybe sometimes it makes sense to go with the safer Kenneth Gainwell who you know is not going to fumble or miss a block or run the wrong
0: route, right? He so, played really well in the playoffs. I was buying did. Kenneth Gainwell everywhere, you know, going into the offseason knowing Miles Sanders was going to be gone. Is DeAndre Swift the Trey Lance of the running back position? Like I be. get asked the question all the time like you you, you can't undersell either of these players. And you're not going to get what you want now, you know, so they, they got to be holds until you find the right situation. I'm going to run down some of these trades, you know, that were in the poll. I want to get your idea here. Uh, Deandre Swift or Rashad white in a 24 third.
1: If you had said second, I would have gone with the pick, but I'm a, I'm a stick with Swift for now. I mean, by the way, they're the same age. I think they were born like 12 days apart, Swift and white, even though it seems like they're years apart. So the, just something to keep in mind there.
0: DeAndre Swift or everyone's least favorite or favorite wide receiver to talk about George Pickens. Uh, Swift. I'm, I'm yeah. low on Pickens. 63 to 37. I was surprised. I'm very low on Pickens too, you know, yeah. and I think, all right, uh, we'll go Jameson Williams or DeAndre Swift. I tried to purposely pick guys that I was low on to make it kind of work out.
1: Yeah, this one's a tough one. Yeah. Um, I think I might go Jamison Williams here, even though I'm low on him, because think about think about the best case scenario for both these guys. Like DeAndre Swift is not going to hit, you know, top four round startup value anytime soon because his contract's not locked mm-hmm. in. He's not going to get a bell cow roll, even if they end up trusting him with some of the work. Jamison mm-hmm. Williams could burst. He could be a he could be a top 10 wide receiver by week five for all we know. So I'll take the swing on Jamison, but it's a close one.
0: Yeah, I would be selling immediately then too. I'm I'm with too. you. Yeah. How about Superflex, Jared Goff, DeAndre Swift, and then also in a Superflex, a random first or DeAndre Swift?
1: I'm taking the random first every single I, time.
0: I am too. Twitter was all over that, 76-24, and I'm with him.
1: Yeah, Jared Goff's a little bit tougher. Um, if I knew I could then move Jared Goff for something I liked better than Jared Goff specifically, uh, I'd probably take Goff though. It's just harder to get a quarterback, right? Like- I I know I would rather take off and then trade my second for Aaron Jones.
0: I like it a lot. Now you, you said there's a third area of buys. So we talked Mm -hmm. about the production, who are those other guys and what's that third area for you?
1: Yeah. So the third area of buys are the really, and and I'm ignoring the rookies because we all know that rookie running backs have opportunities for me. It's the backups. It's the handcuffs, like these handcuffs, Listen, I already talked about what to do in the first ten rounds or so of a startup. Um, mm-hmm. I've been—you could probably tell—I've been working on my startup guide, which has uh, been quite the quite the ordeal. Uh, but it's it's been a lot of fun to write and very revealing for me. Once you hit round fifteen or sixteen, there is nothing valuable at any position other than running back and maybe tight end. Like you look at the wide receivers yeah. in this range, DJ Chark. I- zay jones michael gallup these guys might get 800 yards but that is absolutely worthless from a fantasy perspective so go take Jalen warren and chase brown and elijah mitchell and malik davis and Keontae ingram and jerome ford and i can go on any running back who is the clear number two on their team you could flip them for a second round pick at any day when someone gets hurt and that's what i want to target in those rounds
0: I know we talked about that when I jumped on your pod, like that got me starting to think. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at how do I, I go about, you know, I'm always trying to draft in my in my startups for value. And the only wide receivers that I'm seeing from rounds like 10 to 15 that I don't want to take one of these running backs over was Bateman in the 10th, Elijah Moore in the 11th, Sky Moore in the 13th, Rondale Moore in the 14th and Nico Collins in the 15th. And I think yep. you and I talked about I mean, if I got to choose between Cedric Tillman and Samaje Pirine, or if I got to choose between, you know, we're in a spot where Jalen Warren or Juwan Johnson, you're like, what are we even thinking about? You know, and and Jerome Ford even goes even later. It's like these guys hit the field and they're going to put up points. Like they're literally going to be someone that you can flip there. I mean, you got other choices. Like, do I take, you know, do I take uh, Jacoby Brissett or Gus Edwards? Do I take KJ Osborne or Chuba Hubbard? Like, these are just guys that, Load them up. I was looking at one of my rosters today. And if you look at my wide receiver core, it's it's Garrett Wilson, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and I believe JSN. And then you look at my running backs, and I think I have Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon, but then I have all of these guys, like yep. literally all of these guys. And that's been such a recipe for success for me, because it's like, one of these guys is going to get injured when I don't want, you know, like one of those main guys on your team, you know, I used to invest heavily in these mid-level running backs. Like we talk about, they're going to go down to injury and Zamir White's going to win you a championship because totally. Josh Jacobs isn't playing, you yeah, know, and I, I, I lost to too many guys starting scrubs. Like I could not stand it when a guy was starting Deontay Foreman and, you know, Latavius Murray and beating me when I had Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, you know, you're just, it drives you nuts.
1: Right. I mean, anyone in this range, you're not going to want to start no matter what. So in what scenario are you going to want to be starting Isaiah Hodgins, right? Like there is, if you're a good team, there is no scenario and there's no scenario. Any good team would want to start him. So you're never going to be able to flip him for a second round pick. One of my questions I have for you, um, how do you go about acquiring these guys? Because like, let's say it's not a startup just in a trade, because I think that's a very useful piece of advice for the listeners, because you can't just go up to the Keontae Ingram owner and say, here, have a fourth round pick for Keontae Ingram. Because first of all, why would they do that? So you're Mm going to have to overpay because now they know that you want him specifically. So how do you go about getting these guys?
0: So you're, you're absolutely right. Cause you can't say, you know what, what would you want for, you know, this player? Like all of a sudden radar goes up. Okay. He really wants, he really wants Jalen Warren, right? Like, why does he want him? Let's try to think of this out. You're going to end up, they're going to end up overcharging you. So what I try to do, there's a couple different ways, but like, for instance, I'll start looking at ADP. I'll start looking at wide receivers. I'll look at that seventh round right now. I love Chris Godwin. I'm not a Zay Flowers kind of guy. So maybe I have Zay Flowers and I would rather have Chris Godwin to get the production in there. And I say, hey, you know what? And in a lot of people's minds, they're still in on that youth. Hey, you're a little bit younger. You know, this running back's not going to do anything. Give me Chris Godwin and Jerome Ford and I'll give you Zay Flowers. You know, and it ends up being a – they think they're getting a win. I'm getting in that area. And you might have to then throw in that third-round pick that you were willing to pay for that player, but you end up getting them anyways. You know, you almost have to – You have to, you know, you and I play chess when everybody else is playing checkers. So it's a matter of just trying to figure out how to make those kind of moves because you can't just get them one for one. They're always guys that are, you know, thrown into a deal. Like I'm going to pull up Jalen Warren trades right now, but I mean, they're all like some guy paid a 25 second for Jalen Warren. Horrible process. Don't right, but, that. that's, but that's, but not,
1: that's if someone came up to me and said, What do you want for Jalen Warren? That's what say I would a say second? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Why, I get how that happened, but what you're saying is completely right. Like, you, so, move, you move within a tier, or yes. let's say you trade, listen, I would trade Nick Chubb for Joe Mixon in a second and then ask for Jalen Warren in there, right? Like, as a, in a bigger deal, they're going to ignore it.
0: Yeah, and you make that move where you're, you, you don't have Jalen Warren plugged in. You say, You know what? If I made that move, it's a win. But then I'm going to try to get Jalen Warren thrown in at the end. You know, some of the other trades I'm looking at. Someone traded Chase Claypool for Jalen Warren. I'm fine with that. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm out on Claypool. Another guy traded uh, Ty Chandler in a 25 third. Yeah, I want Jalen Warren for that because I don't think Ty Chandler is the is the answer. Another guy, you know, like some of these other ones, I'm not a huge fan. He gave up a 25 second for Jalen Warren and Ty Chandler. You know, another guy gave up uh, gave up Puka for him. You know, like you can take in the rookie draft is a great time to do yeah. these kind of things because everybody wants, you know, and I guess Zach Evans is a bad example, but everybody wants a shot on Cedric Tillman, Kayshawn Boutte, like start to, you know, cash out on some of those guys who we know what happens with round four draft capital wide receivers or later it, it's a very uphill climb. So yeah, I'll give you that. And you throw me Jalen Warren and you know, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, so we mentioned Jalen Warren a bunch here because he's just like a good prototype. Is there any other players in this range that you're, or any backups that you're particularly targeting more or less than others?
0: I think, I mean, I'm looking right now, I'm looking, obviously I love the the rookies. I mean, you know, Bigsby yeah. at RB39, Tajay uh, Spears at RB41. I like Antonio Gibson low-key at RB38, but his value is starting to kick up a little bit more than what I want to see. I love Dam- Damian Harris in the 14th. Rashad Penny, Elijah Mitchell in the 14th, P. Ryan goes in the... Elijah Mitchell is one
1: I absolutely love. I mean, two years ago, he averaged 15 points a game. Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey, I just saw an injury index that had him as the third most likely player to get injured. You want a guy where if the starter gets hurt, you can put him in your lineup and know he's going to smash. So Mm -hmm. I I like Elijah Mitchell
0: there a lot. I mean, I'm looking at some other ones. We already talked about Warren. I think, you know... (laughs) It's it's tough to figure out who it's gonna be for the Chiefs, but I'll take Derek McKinnon because he seems mm-hmm. to be the cheapest. Um, I'm looking at man, the 19th round, you, you can get Leonard Fournette and Zamir White. I think Leonard Fournette is going to sign somewhere and he's in that area. But I mean, you and I have talked about Zamir White before. I think there's just so many low key, cheap options. Pierre Strong, you know, I yeah, don't I- love I don't <laughs> love the player, but he's cheap right now. I know he's probably a sell now. No, I was going to say 20th rounder later, later. <laughs> uh,
1: Pierre Strong, Keontae Ingram, and Malik Davis. I mean, you look at Keontae and Davis in particular, uh, James Conner gets hurt all the goddamn time. The Cardinals mm-hmm. have no one else, and they've been known to give mm-hmm. their guy Belkow status. And I, I liked Keontae Ingram's film, obviously, more than the NFL did, but he's a potential guy to look at. Malik Davis did yes. splashed a little bit last year. Tony Pollard... Is not a guy who's going to get all of the workload, so we could see Malik Davis get some standalone value, even because Ronald Jones is not keeping anyone off the field. So that's another guy I'd look to invest in as well.
0: And I'm seeing like Malik Davis for uh, Malik Davis in a third for Daniel Bellinger in a fourth. Malik Davis, sure. you know, like for a 24-4, a pair of 24-4s, like I do that all day, you know, like that's the kind of move that I, I use my force for those kind of things, you know, and I look at. Other, you know, I know it's really deep, but like with these guys, you 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 know, you pick up, say Zach Moss, and it, and he, you get him in the twenty fifth round, right? Jonathan Taylor doesn't really have a premium backup there, you know. What I mean, it's Evan Hall, it's nothing. He gets an opportunity. He had it two weeks last year where he was a serviceable RB two, you know. That you're getting him in the twenty fourth round, and guess what? If you got to cut him, it doesn't hurt at all, right? You're not like we all want these wide receivers. We 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 look at them in the in the draft process. We all want to be right on that. Like Puka was a perfect guy or Trey Palmer. Like we want right. them to be that guy that hits. And guess what? When they hit, you're like, oh, I won. Yeah, like this was – I predicted this, right? How often does it happen? No, they end up like falling off and falling off. And then you hold on to them more than you do a running back who falls down the depth chart.
1: And, and the thing is is you can get some of these guys in free agency. So I just – I'm just flipping through my leagues right now. I'm in about – 65 sleeper league. Zach Moss is available in about 10 of them. And all of my leagues have 30 plus roster spots. So there are people who are rostering these roster clogger wide receivers who you are absolutely never going to start instead of a guy like Zach Moss. So go, go check out your waiver wire. I guarantee you, one of the names that we mentioned is going to be available, even if it's one of the less sexy ones. Just try to get, try to get some number two on a depth chart at running back because it's going to be more valuable than some team's wide receiver five.
0: Yeah. And I'm even like every now and then I'm looking at the RB three. I mean, I've always liked dernis Johnson. I think mm-hmm. he's in a situation where if ETN or Bigsby were to go down, he fills into that spot. I mean, these are the kind of, you know, I call them insurance pieces or lottery tickets that means so much more than your wide receiver 19, you know, where you're, you're, you're trying to invest in a guy that, you know, just isn't going to happen. I mean, I'm looking at dernis Johnson goes in the same spot where Matt Coral or Xavier Valade or, you know, like guys that, I'm just never going to play him. And if I got to yep. cut him, I'm not worried about it. You know? So I love, I love that you, you know, you and I have been onto that for years and I love that we can you know, share that with the community. I hate it for my smash leagues because literally I can't get any of them. Like they yeah. have become some of the most difficult leagues because everybody's like, well, you pretty much lay out the blueprint every week. We know who you're going after.
1: That's true, man. It's, it, it, it can be tough when you're in leagues with all your listeners, It but uh, they, these are champagne problems.
0: Yeah. Hey, absolutely. So if there's any other running backs here, cause we, I mean, we hit on a ton. We've hit on the, you know, the way that the uh, the way that we value the players, the way that we play on, how do you look at age versus production? Because I think when we're talking about Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones, but then you see all these guys that, you know, the Isaiah Pacheco's and the Khalil Herberts and uh, you know, Tank Bigsby, Brian Robinson, those guys all go slightly above them. How do you look at that elite Young production, we know what to do with that, right? We know how to value that. That's early, but then we just like, oh, well, he's younger, so I'm going to go that way. Because I mean, I had someone the other day tell me AJ Dylan's a better bet than Joe Joe Mixon, and I said, Ooh. why is that? And they're like, because he's younger, and I'm like, by a year. Like that's not something that we're looking at where it's like 25.1 versus 26.7 in, in age. I'm not buying AJ Dylan over that. Like Joe Mixon is the starter. Yeah. So.
1: Running backs who are not elite, so not Derrick Henry, not Nick Chubb, not Kenneth Walker, who do not pass, who do not catch passes are utterly useless. So I'm talking Isaiah Pacheco, Brian Robinson, AJ Dillon. These guys are absolutely useless. So they have no job security, they have no production upside. It is incredibly easy. Listen, if you have five backup running backs on your squad, any given week, one or two of them are going to be the starter because the starters hurt. So you're not going to be playing A.J. Dillon because you're going to be playing Malik Davis that week or Jerome Ford that Mm -hmm. week because Nick Chubb's hurt. So having a guy like A.J. Dillon or Brian Robinson is absolutely pointless. Isaiah Pacheco is a massive sell for the same reason just because he doesn't catch passes. He didn't do it in college, didn't do it his first year in the pros. He's in a crowded backfield even though it's not the most talented one. So I am all about trading those quote-unquote younger guys for veterans who are going to give me more production. I think particularly at the running back position, this is like incredibly actionable, more so than at other positions. Because Mm -hmm. in order – the reason to invest in youth is because you're either going to get production down the line or for me it's you're going to get value down the line. In what scenario does a guy like Isaiah Pacheco or A.J. Dillon – increases value to a meaningful amount it's just not going to happen because they don't have that three down upside
0: yeah and i I think that's also on the same level the reason why we want you know jameer gibbs who's 21 years old breeze hall who's 22 years old that's going to maintain their value looking at a guy like pacheco yes he's young but right now the fact that he goes ahead of aaron jones joe mixon and devin a chain it is just Baffling to me, you know, like those Wait, guys. So, so speaking about a, a- ail- chain, because that's someone yeah. I'm getting questions about all the time. I yeah. just got an offer from Mung, you know, two twenty four seconds for him right now. Like I have a yeah. chain, and I'm like, I'm a contender. So, what do we do here right now? Because there's a window here. Dalvin Cook's rumored to go to Miami. You know, my thing with with him is he's always been projected as a Tony Pollard type running back. He was never going to get thirty five touches or anything like that. He's going to be fifteen touch, tw- 10 to 15-touch guy, so why are we selling him right now?
1: Yeah, no surprise we're on the exact same page here. I mean, it makes no sense. Listen, Dalvin Cook handled a really big workload in Minnesota. I didn't do great with it the last year especially, but w- w- what's, what's the point of drafting Devon Atchain you're not expecting 300 touches. Like you're saying, I don't care if Jeff Wilson takes the touches or Raheem Mostert takes the touches or Dalvin Mm -hmm. cook takes the touches. You're hoping that Achain gets eight to 12 touches a game. Maybe, you know, 12 is probably on the upper end, especially Mm -hmm. year one. He flashes enough year one to be going into the league next year as a starter in year two. And Dalvin cook is not signing a two year contract. That's for sure. So a chain is a guy I'm investing in. Um, and pretty happy about it. And, and like another guy in that range, if you're looking for a cheaper, youngish option, like I'm taking Rashad White over Damian Pierce. Mm-hmm. It's likely that Damian Pierce is a better football player than Rashad White. It's likely that he outscores Rashad White. But if you're just looking at the upside, Damian Pierce does not have it, and Rashad White does. So, if you're not going to be investing in actual production, at this level, you want to invest in someone who could actually hit that 15 plus point per game mark, which only, you know, 12 to 14 running backs hit
0: a year. And Rashad White has that. I mean, you look at Baker Mayfield in, in dump offs per game and passes to the running back was, I know it's a small sample size again, but it was number one yeah. Rashad White has 70 reception type upside you know like i think that isn't out of the realm of possibility for him to be a back end rb1 where these other guys would have to do so much more speaking of ha like i'm looking at trades today. they're gonna blow your mind right now but like Kate Otten in a 24 second you know oh. like a- antonio gibson straight up i'm looking at um you know brandon Ayuk for a chain in a first you're like oh. I-, I just don't understand these like you're just you just drafted him at one ten to two hundred one, and now you're like, no, I don't need him. Let's just let's just move off of this. Adam Thielen in two fourths for Devin Hagen. Like, what what are you guys doing? Unbelievable. And just, people forget that people forget that
1: Rashad White was actually like you know a pretty dang good prospect. He was obviously a late breakout, but let's take a look at the top six running backs since 2019 in terms of target share. Uh, these are only guys drafted in the top three rounds. We got Rashad White, then Jameer Gibbs, Antonio Gibson, Saquon Barkley, Devon Achane, and DeAndre Swift. Like he, White is a, he is number one among those players and it was at a big school. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of upside to a guy like Rashad White. Um, Mind if I change the subject quickly? Let's we, do it. we touched briefly on ETN earlier, and I know that this could be a long discussion. I, um, I know similar to on- DeAndre Swift, I'm a little bit. Part of me really wants to buy him, but I see the reasons why to sell him. Can you can you give me
0: your opinion on ETN right now? Yeah, I'm going on football guys tonight with Kluge, and he's one of my sells. I think a lot of reasons because of you know you look at what he would with no real RB two James Robinson was out of the picture. You know, he did, he was what RB 17 in out on the, on the season. Now you bring in tank Bigsby, you know, it's not like they were passing like Cincinnati was and, and going with Chase Brown in the fifth. We're talking about tank Bigsby with some draft capital. He's definitely going to eat into some of those red zone looks. He's definitely going to, you know, tank Bigsby is going to eat into some of those third down looks on that PPR work. And I just think, the way we have him priced right now and the community's come around a little bit. Like he was RB five there for a while. He's fallen down to what I believe he's like RB seven now, you know, and he's a lot more affordable, but I'm in an area right now where I am willing to sell. And it's gotta be, I think I like to take a running back. Like I was talking about selling Austin Eckler was one of my biggest buys, you know, and and I'm trying to move down. I'm trying to get myself into that area where I can get the production and the first round pick. I'm not just giving them away.
1: Yeah. I get it. It's, it's an interesting situation because he came out of college and there was this perception among the, uh, m- mainly the the data guys that he was this big pass catcher. Cause I think mm-hmm. he got what four, 40 plus catches his last year. Uh, well, at he went back, Lawrence.
0: he went back just for that. Like he did right. not have the, I believe he had like 13 the year before that. Like it was very minimal. And he went back to try to prove that he could do that. And then I think what we ended up having with, you know, with, uh, urban Meyer was like, oh, we're going to make him a wide receiver. So everyone thought he had the, the kind of pass catching chops we talk about with Jameer Gibbs. And he just doesn't have that, right? He put up the raw numbers, but even in terms of what type of passes
1: he was catching, he was not doing it at any type of elite level. So if we mm-hmm. go back to 2020, which was really his like receiving breakout year, uh, Travis Etienne only had two target, two catches more than 10 yards down the field. Meanwhile, he had... 30 dump offs in the middle of the field and another 15 below 10 yards. So he wasn't Mm -hmm. a guy who was getting targeted down the field. Like a guy like Jameer Gibbs was on the other hand, Etienne is an incredible runner. He really Mm -hmm. impressed me. I thought he was much better than I expected, particularly with his change of direction. I mean, I I know Snoog posted a really good uh, thread earlier today about Etienne. He's one of the guys that's really on him. Ranks Mm -hmm. top 10 in terms of yards per attempt, yards after contact per attempt, points Mm -hmm. per touch, a whole bunch of things. He has the home run ability. Kind of reminds me of Kenneth Walker as a runner in a way. I think that he's being a little bit slept on because people mm-hmm. look at his target share last year, which was just terrible. You can't argue that. And Tank Bigsby has a decent receiving profile, but I don't think I don't think that ETN is just going to give up that third down role. I think he's just a much better player than Bigsby. I think he's a more explosive athlete. And listen, you can succeed. Josh Jacobs is not a good receiver. Derek Henry is not a good receiver, but these guys have been put up have been putting up big receiving numbers, especially last season, because you can do it off dump-offs. Ramondre Stevenson is going to get yes. 85
0: catches this year on dump-offs. So. Well that, I was going to ask about Ramondre Stevenson. So if they come to you, you're not going to get a first separation, but no. if you could get Ramondre Stevenson in a second or Etienne, which would you choose right now? So I have Ramondre considerably higher in my
1: projections, and they're only a year apart. Etienne does have the injury history. That's where
0: where it's still a decent value with where he's at. And that's what I'm saying is I think ETN is a little bit higher than where he needs to be right now. And, and if you look at who you're passing up, I mean, he's going one pick before Drake London right now. And if I'm building my dynasty team, there's no way I'm even considering, you know, a running back with that. We're talking about that. Is he a buy? Isn't he a sell? Right? Like if I'm investing in a running back in the top four rounds, he's got to be an absolute smash for me. And he's going right in the same area as JSN, Drake London, DK Metcalf, and, and Devontae Adams.
1: Yeah, no, it, it 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 totally makes sense. I mean, there are leagues where I drafted Etienne in the middle of the fourth round, and I am okay with him at that value, but mm-hmm. just because Ramondre's not going much later, he's going at the 501, yeah. Tony Pollard's going at the 504, there's not that much value. Like, if you want a running back in the top five rounds, you kind of just need to, like, it's okay to take Etienne half a round before Ramondre. But I think the trade market would ask for more. So from that perspective, I'm okay with it. To me, the real guy that you don't want to draft because of opportunity cost is Saquon Barkley. I know he's a name that I don't think we've mentioned this entire podcast. He is the worst cost investment in Dynasty right now. He makes absolutely no sense to me. You could get Saquon Barkley or you could get Jameer Gibbs or CJ Stroud or Kyle Pitts or T. Higgins Mm -hmm. or Mark Andrew. Like It makes no sense to me because Saquon has not put up an elite season since his rookie year, right? Like his bounce back season last year was the same thing Joe Mixon's been doing three years in a row Mm -hmm. and they're the exact same age. So Saquon Barkley is a guy that I'm avoiding like the plague. I think I would maybe rather have Tony Pollard or Ramondre Stevenson than Saquon and they're being drafted two rounds after. So I know that's a bit of a side note, but I, I think the Etienne's discussion versus Ramondre it's similar to like Garrett Wilson versus Chris Olave, mm-hmm. where I do think that Etienne's better than Ramondre. I understand why he's more valuable, but if you can get a legitimate plus to make that quote-unquote downgrade, it's a great move to do. And that's why when I say sell Garrett Wilson, people come at me. It has nothing do. to do with what I think of him yeah. as a player. I think he's excellent. But it's just that you can get an almost as good player or potentially as good player around and a half later. So that's where the whole Etienne moving up into early round four would, would make me a little bit uncomfortable.
0: And Garrett Wilson is not just going one round above him and London and Alave were all in that similar area. And we knew Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback. Like it, the writing Ridiculous. was on the wall. Now he's going, like if I look at ADP right now, I mean, I, I said the other day, I saw Jalen Waddle and a 24 first. Garrett Wilson's going 204. Drake London's going 404, Ugh. which means you get at least a first, if not more, on top. And now Chris Alave is going 211. Like these guys went from early fourth round steals to third round decent values to almost at their ceiling. You know, like people are, people are coming to me and like, Hey, you know, if I can get Jamar chase, if I give up Jamar chase and get Garrett Wilson in a first, is that good insulation? No, No. like, it's just not anymore. Like it, you're not going to get to that area. He would have to be phenomenal. And I, I do think he's in that top five to eight conversation year in and year out here for the next couple of years, but like you're pricing him out as opposed to Drake London. Who's, you know, it, we we haven't seen the QB upgrade, but his value now is two rounds later. Yeah, and you're doing it for a 39-year-old
1: quarterback who turns 40 in the middle of the season, who probably was high on ayahuasca when he made his decision to go to New York. Like, how long is he going to be the quarterback there? And are we really boosting up Garrett Wilson two rounds because of it, or one round? I mean, the simplest way to look at it is if you have the 404 and the 204 in a startup. You could walk away with Garrett Wilson and Daniel Jones, or you could walk away with Drake London and Deshaun fricking Watson or yeah. Anthony Richardson or Kyler That's... Murray. Like, come on
0: guys, what are we doing here? I love how much we're in tune on those kind of things. Cause somebody actually told me that the other day at the two Oh two, they wanted Garrett Wilson. I said, is Deshaun Watson there? And they said, yeah, but I don't want him. I'm like, do you want Deshaun Watson and Drake London or do you want, you know, in that same situation? And then it panned out. He took Watson, got it done. Hey, it was a pleasure. Like always, I know we could talk for like six hours, but that's a long podcast. Why don't you tell everybody what you're working on here and we'll close things out.
1: Yeah, man, Uh, doing some fun stuff as always. Uh, Dynasty Sultan podcast. Uh, Dad's been on it a few times, of course, recently. So definitely make sure to check that out. Um, And then my Patreon, a lot of fun stuff going on, a lot of activity in the Discord. And then I've been working hard on both my 2023 projections and my startup guide, Uh, The startup guide has become a behemoth, but it's been a lot of fun, probably going to be like 120 pages, but it's going to give you everything you need to know to dominate your startups, goes through all the different strategies, you know, win now, punt strategies. It's got like 10 pages on every position for how to address it. So basically all that we were talking about here, condensed into writing to try to help you guys dominate your startup drafts
0: you should get that thing like narrated on one of those apps by Morgan. One Freeman. of those audio I, products, would, I yeah. would listen to it then, you know, like get it out there. You know, no, that's, that's great. Cause you and I have really, that's one thing startups you and I've been talking about a lot and, you know, line up there. So yeah, guys, we similar type things going on with us, but I thank you guys for tuning in and enjoy the process. Minus my boomer moment of.